I'm your host, Steve Pizza. Here on a beautiful Sunday morning. We've got an excellent show today for you today. It's so exciting. I said today twice. <laughs> we have the cast from When the Fever Breaks. And Fever Breaks has a pre-production right now. It's, 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 it's going in the post pretty soon. It's been filmed. We've got two more days of shooting. When Fever Breaks is going to come out in 2015. Directed by Tymaine Clay. Written by Tymaine Clay and his wife, Lucy Clay. Starring Ryan T. Husk. Sean Paul Piccinino. Ryan Bartley. Dylan Lawrence. Michael Lurr. Violet Smith. Jacqueline Armstrong, Cruz Mauga, Genevieve Gearhart. We can just go down the list. Just excellent people involved in this project. We're going to talk to them today. And we're going to get the know-how on how they were starting with this film and what this film is about. When the Fever Breaks. Our old friend Sean Piccinino is part, part of this project here. So thank you for tuning in and listening in. I know this is Labor Day weekend and a lot of us are out on vacation, but I, I can see by our message boards and I can see by our numbers here that a lot of people are listening in. And thank you very much for joining us today. No time to waste. Let's get this party started. Before we continue on with our interviews here, let's, let's first start with my opinions, because obviously I don't have a shortage of opinions. <laughs> Last week I was telling you about, uh, what's the name of that show? I don't remember the name of the show I was walking last week. Was, oh, Continuum, that's right. Oh my gosh. The show I hate to love to watch. This show is horrible. It is horrible. But here's the thing, I watched all three seasons. Or four seasons, I don't remember anymore. I watched all the seasons. And if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan, all, I mean, at least half of the cast is in this show. So, not a great show, but it's got a lot of great actors in it. So, it, it, it's really a, a, a flip in the air of, of which one you want to do. Do you want to see people who remind you and make you feel good about sci-fi and, and are part of your repertoire of, of uh, sci-fi population that you enjoy watching, Continuum is, is going to be an okay show for you. You're going to enjoy it. I mean, it's not going to make a lot of sense, but um, I don't think a lot of things need to make sense. I think Looper proved that. Now, things don't need to be, make sense to be good. And also, I don't know your taste. So you may think this is the best show in the world, and I think it's just the most horrible thing to ever have existed. <laughs> so... Continuum, to me, to me, is pretty close to that. It's just a really horrible show. But but watch it, please. And call back and let me know what you think. And 
I want to hear your opinion. If you have a different opinion today, I want to hear your opinion. I I obviously did not like the film, but you know I'm not the type of person who doesn't like to hear other people's opinions, especially when I don't like a show. I want to hear why you like that show. I didn't, but there might be a reason why you do, and I'd like to hear that reason. The show is called Continuum. Now, here's a show, the next Netflix show that I am, and I should really just call this segment here, My Netflix Pick of the Week. So my Netflix Pick of the Week this week is House. No, I didn't jump on the bandwagon like everybody else. I did not uh, watch House when it was intensely famous, powerful, influential. I mean, it had Jeremy Renner in an episode very recently. So obviously, it got a lot of attention, got a lot of awards. Is it a good show? Yes. It's very much like Sherlock Holmes inside of a hospital. You got that apathetic almost feel, that uh, distanced from other people, yet the desire to help out more than the desire to repel. It's eight seasons. And here's the thing about the show. It's not Netflix friendly. And by that I mean, it does not give you any preview of the previous episode. So if you want to skip a couple episodes because you think it's boring or because you want to skip this, you're going to skip a storyline. And that's what I hate about the show, is that it's not Netflix friendly. You can't just go from episode 1 to episode 13 and then go into the next season and you just fly through a season. You're going to miss literally about eight characters leaving or something. So that's the one negative I can see about the show. Another negative I can see about the show is that the formula does repeat itself. We found the cure. No, we didn't. We have another diagnosis. No, we don't. I know what I'm doing. No, I don't. I get questions. It's kind of like in Lost after season 3 when people are so panting and worried. It's like, by now you should know that this is a magical island and it's scary. You should know by now that, you know, Lost is a scary island and that uh, you're going to get stuck inside of it. So right around season, I don't know, season three in Lost, they all started getting in the clue of, this is how it works, we're in a mystical island, we're all scared, and uh, we're going to live with it. So, uh, in-house... They're still going through the formulaic, I'm shocked, I'm surprised, I'm going to doubt you, I'm not going to doubt you, I'm sorry I doubted you, you're right. So, that formula is repeating itself. And I'm in season, what, four, episode two? And it's still doing that. It's fine, it's fine, it's progressive a show enough to be different. But if you're a Scrubs fan, and if you're an ER fan, and if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, then you, you should watch House. You should definitely watch House. It's a different show enough. It's enough of a difference from other shows, meaning that it is very much like Sherlock Holmes inside of a hospital. So it's a very interesting show. I say it reminds me a little bit of Nurse Jackie, whereas, you know, they're both Vicodin pop-pilling killers. <laughs> the interesting thing is I don't think certain things work the way they do in the show, but it's a show. So get to it, House. House is my Netflix pick of the week. If you have any difference of opinion, please please call in. 657-383-1444. We have a jam-packed show, so I don't know if I'll get to your calls today, but I hopefully I will. All right, the first guest we're going to call in today is going to be the director 
of when the fever breaks. Uh, this the show is in uh, uh, the movie is in uh, going to be in post production in a couple of days. They have two more days of shooting. We have Taimain on right now. Taimain, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. How's it going? Very good. Everybody loves to hear you. Everybody loves that you're on the on the show today. Uh, please tell us about when the fever breaks. Well, when the fever breaks basically is a story. Um, and just to give it a little give a little background for the story, we came up with the story basically because um, when my wife and I were doing a seminar, we were thinking, oh, what story should we do next? And my mom gave us a, a call later on, and she let me know that she had um, cancer. And when she and in my and in my world of uh, my family, cancer is such a very strong um, because a lot of us die from it from my family and including my uncle and my sister. So when she said that, I thought, that's a horrible thing. That's horrifying. And I wanted to, and I did not do it how horrifying it is for her to go through that process. And, I, and so when we wanted to express that, we said, let's put in a horror trope. What type of horror trope out there is like that, where you're facing some type of horrible disease that's basically like a death nail for you? And when we thought of that, we thought of um, zombies. And we said, what happened if you were the one who was bit by the zombie? You had a few hours amongst yourself, a few hours to live, basically. And what do you do? Do you fight on? Do you give up? Do you make arrangements with your next of kin? What do you do when you know you only have a few hours left? And not only what do you do, but what do your friends do? Because at that point in time, you're now potentially a threat to them uh, because sooner or later you may turn. So what do they do? Do they give you time? Do they consider your threat and try to eliminate you now before you really become one? And so you're in a process, a hard process where your body's turning against you, your friends might be going against you, and the zombies are definitely against you. And to us, that was a great, horrifying concept to start with, and we just continued on from there into what was at the end of an amazing script, and then we just grabbed an amazing cast and did an amazing story. Well, that's awesome. So, so the story takes place basically on, on, the, on the premise of somebody turning into a zombie and what would they do, almost like the bucket list, what would they do with their last few hours? Um, what, would you do in, what would you do not only like a bucket list, but, what, but almost like, a, like a, you know you have a fatal disease and do you give up or do you fight on? And how do you do that if others are also trying to, Kill you, basically. Right. <laughs> now, that is an original concept. So that, that's oh, almost you. like uh, Lord of the Flies. It, it, you know, there's not, we both know, there's not a gigantic amount of original content out there right, oh, now, yeah. right now. But, but definitely going through the process of a person turning into a zombie, not knowing what to do, almost treating it like, like maybe AIDS in the 80s. And uh, seeing how people treat you and how, how you respond. It, it, was that in your mind, maybe after you wrote, wrote the script or before, about, like, about diseases and how people treat people and, and how people expect to die and what have you? Actually, it was in our mind when we wrote the script, um, mainly because um, we were thinking about it in the concept of, like I said, my, my mom had cancer. I mean, she, when she had cancer and everything. It's, she's in remission now, but when she had cancer and everything, we were like, oh, how, is, how people are treated when you're going through this process 
even when you're with someone, you're still kind of alone because you still got to go through this process and how people start treating you a little bit differently. And so we did the whole concept. We did all of it. We did the whole how do you accept it, how do you uh, reject it, the um, the fears you may have for, from it. So we try to go through all the emotional concepts while also putting also the horror concepts involved. That's we expect to see within a zombie film. So we try to hit, we try to hit it in multiple levels. <laughs> It's inter- you know, it, what's interesting to me is that, you know, as you're talking about the movie, uh, you know, I was watching, um, you, you remember the, the, the video, um, what's it called, Dead Island? Mm-hmm. So Dead Island had that. a great trailer that, did, did, that didn't fall through to the movie at all. But <laughs> Dead Island's uh, uh, <laughs> uh, concept video was amazing, and it was emotional, and it was about a family, and then being attacked by zombies. This very much feels like the exact same thing, where it's more about the emotional content of somebody hitting that disease and falling through with it than more it is about the stereotypical zombie film of people running after you and you having to get away. Uh, am I getting that right? Um, yes, there's a lot of emotional quality. It's definitely attached to the film. Um, and to, to us, it's very important because then when you do the other part of it, which is, you know, the, it's like the horror part where stuff coming at you, stuff scaring you had that emotional impact with it. So you care a lot more and hopefully you, the scares resonate a lot more. Right. Well, I see your, your wife wrote the film with you. Uh, what part did she play in the film? Did, did you both have she, different kind of emotional context? Did you, you guys work very well together? How, how did that work out? Oh, yeah, we worked very well together. Um, she she uh, co-wrote the film with me, so she's one of the writers of the film, and she also uh, pro- helped produce the film with me. So she's also one of the producers. Um, and we worked very well together. It, it was it's very funny because um, it's almost like you know how you I always people say, "I don't take your work home with you." Well, we were always at home talking about work half the time, and it was like, "We won't talk about work anymore." And then one of us eventually talk about work again, and we keep bringing it up, and we just continue on until the whole process was done and it was just it was just a great experience working with my wife because it's the first time we worked together and it was just a fun right. experience. You know, one of my favorite quotes is behind every powerful man is a woman who thinks he's an idiot. <laughs> do, you, do you find that it's do you find that it's you know, I love the Christopher Knowles and the JJ Abrams and the Joshua Whedons in the world and they all work with their family. Do you do you find it to be a benefit to work with somebody who knows you so well or do you see it I Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna say what you need to say because your wife's probably listening. But, <laughs> but do, oh, he's definitely listening. <laughs> he's gonna kill you tonight. But do, do you find that it's better to work with people that you know and, and that that understand you opposed to the opposite? I do find it better with people that you kind of know and understand you, uh, because they're the ones who can be the most honest with you. And uh, and she and my wife is, if she's anything, she's honest. She'll say this doesn't work. And she'll say it in her way, like, this sucks. Uh, try again. <laughs> it didn't work at all. And you need that because that way you don't end up taking it too personally. You, and you also need that because you know that the person's got the same goal as you have. Because, um, frankly, all the money's coming in one direction. So all the money's coming to both of you guys. So she's, I know she was on my back when she was saying this works or this doesn't work. She's basically like, this is what we need to do. This is why we need to do it. And she was a great listener and a great, um, and had great ideas as well that she contributed to the whole film and everything like that. 
So I wish it's all her great oh, ideas. That's, that's a different story. But, <laughs> but she has great ideas. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> your, your film before this was, was Trek Wars, the movie. So, so that I, I couldn't really get it. You know, you're going from sci-fi to sci-fi biological. How was that leap going from Star Trek, from going from Trek Wars, the movie, to uh, When the Fever Breaks? Well, it was a totally different leap because uh, Trek Wars is more of a satire and very comical. And When the right. Fever Breaks is um, definitely not as comical. I mean, we have a, little, we have a few right. moments, but it's definitely not a com- comical movie. Um, right. So it was definitely a different direction. And it was... I think it was fine because it was a lot of fun getting that emotional impact. Is you know, as a as an artist, I think you crave different things at different times. Sometimes you crave to be funny. Sometimes you crave to be a little more serious. And sometimes you crave a scare. And it was to me a very nice read because I still staying in a little bit of the science realm, even though it's a horror genre. And at the same time, I was able to get that emotional impact that I was craving for at that moment was, uh, which was how do we deal with, basically, um, how do we deal with death when it's staring you in the face? And that was a great concept, and that was a fun ride for us to go through. And it was both an emotional and a physical roller coaster for both uh, me, the cast, and even the story itself was an emotional roller coaster. So it was great. It's a great journey as well. So I thought it was fun. That's awesome. Well, when the fever breaks has, has what I believe, two more days of shooting, am I right? Um, we have uh, definitely one more day of shooting and one possible day of shooting because we can't get everything done that first day. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's <we're>... great. So, <laughs> how, how's, how's, how's the filming been going along so far? I, I mean, I've been talking to Sean almost every single day about, about the filming. So It looks fantastic and it feels fantastic. And it's, oh, all the films are rolling out, but... How do you feel about, about the movie coming out right now? And how do you feel about the production and, and how it's – how do you feel the product now? I feel it's great. I feel it's, um, it's a very beautiful project coming to life. And it's fun because – it's funny because when you first write the project, you know, you have one stuff that comes into your mind, but then when the actors bring in their stuff and they, their contributions and it morphs into something that's better than you have actually originally anticipated and it's just like right. one of the amazing things that you know there were a couple of times i was like oh wow this is this is almost like um like a symphony going on it's like i get my little piece they're drawing their piece and it's something that's beautiful right. that's being made and i like i said I'm, I'm i feel very very good and fortunate about this project i'm very fortunate that i hired well i hired an amazing crew and i hired an amazing cast so I hired well, and because of that, I got a um, great product. Yeah. Tumane, has anybody ever told you you sound like a young Quentin Tarantino? Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know how it ends up to him. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you. You talk like a very young Quentin Tarantino. This is the very when I listen to Reservoir Dogs uh, interviews, you sound like Quentin Tarantino back in those days. It's hilarious to me. Your your energy is infectious. I love it. Oh, great! Thank you. Tumane. I mean, this movie looks awesome. Let's let's bring on Sean Piccinino. I, w- I want to hear what he has to say a little bit about the film here. On it. There we go. Sean Piccinino, our old friend. How are you doing, sir? Is Sean there? Sean? Sean Live Radio. 
John. <laughs> hey guys, sorry, All my right. phone was on mute. Oh, you uh, are. Oh, the ju- How you doing, Sean? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I love hearing uh, Taimane uh, speak as well. Just FYI. Hey, isn't he great? He sounds just like Quint. I, I was telling him he sounds like a young Quint Tarantino the way he talks. <laughs> I love it. So he was. So Tymaine's been talking to us about the film, and I want. Yeah, I want to keep him, keep him on for the entire two hours. He's a great personality. T- tell me a little bit about how it was like working with Tymaine, Sean, and, and and how do you feel about the film uh, when the fever breaks? Uh, I think the film looks uh, really amazing. I mean. You know, I've been working in this business for over 15 years. I've, I've worked on every level of project, uh, you know, from extremely low budget to, to having the great honor of, of, you know, jumping on in, in just a small ways in really big films. Um, and so I've kind of seen the production flow on, on all levels. And what happened the very first day of this film, uh, it, it actually blew me away because uh, you know, I looked at Taimane, I looked at his wife, Lucy, and I said, you know, you guys are making a real movie here. And, you know, not that I didn't expect that we would be making a real movie, but it's just every crew member, all the stuff that was going on, the set, uh, you know, decoration, the, everything that was happening, all the pieces, the, the craft services, and, and it was really, uh, I mean, it, it impressed me to, to uh, you know, a really high level of what, they were doing there. They really pulled out all the stops. It wasn't, you know, the right. student film uh, that people were making. It was a professional, really high-quality uh, movie being made. And that was before I saw uh, a second of, of what uh, was on film. And then uh, we Let me ask had, you a question, uh, Sean. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Sean. Is the presentation important to you when you're coming onto a film? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like the presentation of what Taimane presented to you of how they're going to film the show or the movie, how professional they are. It obviously made an impression on you. I think it does. Is that important? To me, me, I value it, uh, you know, greatly. And there was, they they were taking care of the talent. They were taking, you know, there was always somebody there asking, do you need a water? Do you need this? Do you need a break? You know, everything was, it made, I think it really made the, especially the cast feel incredibly, uh, welcome and um and uh it makes you inspired to want to work harder and work you know really put your best into this you know i've, I've shown up on some sets where uh you know i will never name names or anything like that but i've showed up on some sets where uh i've just felt disappointed right away like like you know oh man i don't even want to be involved in this project if this is the quality of what's going to be happening you know and then it's like right. oh man am, am i going to be misrepresented or or they're not going to, uh, you know, uh, they're going to make such a bad product. I don't want to be associated. You know, that's happened to me just, just a, you know, one or two times. But uh, right. this was the complete opposite. This was like made me instantly energized, and I could tell by the other cast as well. Everybody was excited to be involved in this, and uh, you know, then moving on to getting to see some of that beautiful black magic footage, uh, if I might add, um, uh, it looked amazing as well. Like what we were capturing, nice. the timing, the capturing was like, hey, this is this is something cool here. I'm looking forward to seeing some of that footage. Well, when, when you when you heard the when you read the script, or when the fever breaks, and obviously obviously written by the great Taimane and his wife, uh, how, how did it feel to you? Did you as a as a director and as a writer, how did you progress forward after you read the script? 
was immediately excited um, because it felt fresh to me, uh, just like you guys were talking about before. It's like, you know, when he first mentioned uh, Lucian, him mentioned to me about his zombie movie, I kind of in- internally, of course, I didn't show that to him, but internally I went rather rolling my eyes, like, oh, great, another zombie movie. And, uh, right. and of course... But of course, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to be involved. You know, I, I've known Time Maine for a while, so uh, it wasn't like that. But I was just like, you know, secretly going, oh, great zombie movie. But as soon right. as I read the script, I went, I mean, the first, you know, 10 pages, I went, oh, this is cool. This is cool because this is something different. It's almost like you, you, um, you know, wish like these kind of elements would be in like The Walking Dead or some of the other mainstream zombie things because it's All right. cool. It's such a cool path to explore, like the process of turning into a zombie. And uh, you know, the zombies in this film are actually, uh, I think, different than your mainstream zombies. But still, just that concept of really that transformation happening, and uh, you know, like he was talking about before, it's like denial. <laughs> that's always that's like the first step. step you know. So uh, I instantly liked the script, and uh, and then for myself personally as an actor, I was excited to try and dive into playing this very flawed uh, character. Um, you know, dare I say, a villain, which I, I don't I don't get to play that archetype very often. So I was, uh, you know, I hope it's against type, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so so it was uh, exciting for me. Yeah, it's. It's it's against type completely. I mean, I, I don't want to tell anybody anything anything because watch the movie and consider him a villain. But uh, yeah, it'll be hard for anybody who knows you to believe that you're a villain until they see you in the film, of course. They'll be like acting. <laughs> Let me ask you a question: How do you feel about your kids, your two daughters, seeing you play a villain in a film? You feel okay about that, uh, or is some some actors feel kind of weird about that kind of stuff? <laughs> Well, I, I do say it's going to be a few years before they see this film. <laughs> They're going to, I, was, they have some time. I thought you were going to say my daughter's already seen me as a villain, but that that was good too. Yeah, no, yeah. They're, they're, this one's got some, some good scares and violence, and the zombies at Nick Reisinger's uh, make effect scared me, uh, and his team uh, scared me, you know, before... Uh, uh, you know, we we're even shooting it, just watching the makeup go on. He looking. Well, you, you, Tymaine, working together. Uh, he obviously knew that you directed and, and are a writer. Uh, how did you two work together, and how did the ego play work when you're an actor and you have to push yourself out of the directing position and out of the writing position? How, how did that feel for this movie? <laughs> I don't, you'll have to ask my pain. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I forget which hat I'm wearing. Uh, so, uh, you know, I try and snap into those different roles. But we we had some pretty funny stuff happening on set. Like, just because of my background, they'd be like, "Okay, stunt coordinator Sean, can you come over here?" They they were calling out like, you know, titles. And now actor, we need actor Sean. So I was, I was, I tried to deal with it the best I could. Uh, I'm sorry if I ever lost my temper a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely interesting trying to balance, uh, all those different things. But, you know, it's say, editor, Sean, can you come over here? We have a question for you, you know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, you're confused when you're fetching somebody coffee. I'll tell you that much. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the, the most, the, you know, one of those 
famous things in, in Hollywood to say is never work with dogs and, and children. So yeah. we're going to see how that worked out here by br- <laughs> bringing on Keith Malka here. Hello, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing real. I'm doing great. Awesome. The crowd loves you. And so, so Cruz, you're you're nine years old, right? Yes. And you're in a zombie film. Yeah. So tell, tell me, how, how did that work out for you? Did you know what zombies were before you went in there? I mean, I know that's kind of a, probably a naive question to ask, but did, did you know the yeah, intricacies of zombies before you went into them? Yeah. It, it <laughs> was, yeah, I watched a few Walking Dead episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And how did you feel about your, your character? Um, I liked my character. I like I fight for my mom a lot, and I help her out a lot. And well, you play you play Haley, right? What did you say? Cruz, you play you play Haley, right? Yes. Tell us more, please. She said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Haley, I think Haley is a really great character. Just oh, sometimes awesome. she's not. Uh, how do you, sometimes she's not what? What? What, Cruz? <laughs> keep on going. Just keep on going, girl. Don't don't stop talking until until the earth drops. So, how'd you feel about your your character? She's. Helps her mom out a lot. She's not so careful at the end, and um, I really like playing her. It's fun. That's awesome. Is this your is this your first acting role, or have you had have you had many acting roles before this? I mean, I have your IMDb in front of me, but I'd like to ask you just yourself. I've been in my first movie. I was the main. I was the main character's daughter, also. So that's awesome. Same as this and, time. And, and then, how did it feel going from those that project? And so, I see the evil gene is on on your IMDb, uh, and you have when the fever breaks. How did you feel about moving on to this project when the fever breaks after you did the evil gene? Um. I don't know. Once I got into this movie, I felt like bring up my confidence more. Right. After after working with this cast. Right. So the last That's movie, great. I didn't really get to do much, but this movie, I really, I really like working with this cast and like doing more acting and stunts. It's really fun. Well, that's great, because I know you like to sing and play piano, guitar, writing songs. You're obviously very talented, very skilled, and you like to like to write and things like that. What, what did you think, when you were doing this film right here, did you have any inspirations of what you want to do in the future uh, after this film? Well, I really want to be an actress, and I want to write books and stuff, and... These and the cast really inspire me to do that. Oh, that's fantastic, Cruz. If you were gonna, if you were gonna write a book right now uh, to inspire young girls just like you, little nine-year-olds who are in films and 
maybe doing films that they can't even see themselves in the theaters, which is basically what you're doing right now. What would you, what would you say to a young nine-year-old on, on positive ways to think while being in Hollywood or acting? To really get into the character and understand your character very well and just have fun with the cast and the crew. That's awesome. I mean, the most common thing to say in Hollywood is, is don't work with children and animals. Of course, I, I think that's just really ridiculous because as, as, uh, as a lot of other directors have said, actors can sometimes be like animals. So how, how did you feel mm-hmm. like working with crews? How was it like working with, with somebody younger? Uh, uh, it, she was amazing. I mean, she, she was great. But to me, it's, I, I know that people say, you know, you shouldn't work with like, um, children and animals. I can't say anything about the animals yet because I haven't worked with any animals. But for <laughs> the children, I always, I've always said um, it doesn't make a difference because it's all about the talent. It's all about finding the right person. It's the same thing as an adult actor. Some adult actors are really, really good, and some are not. Some kids actors are really good, and some are not. So it's not about the actual age physically. It's about the uh, talent range and the emotional maturity that comes into play. And Cruz did, and Cruz did an amazing job. She, she knows how she knew her character. She asked the questions. She knew how to take directions. If I said change a direction one way or the other, as you like all directors say once in a while, she can do it immediately. And it's amazing seeing her morph and change. And it's so funny because there are times where not just Cruz, but all the actors, we get all that serious look and everything. And as soon as we hear a cut, we're back to smiley faces and joking around. But then we go, actually, we're back to our characters again. Um, and it's a great feeling seeing that happen. And it's definitely a great feeling when you see somebody as young as Cruz possess so much talent like that. And when you see her, um, you see it's a very shy person, but then she, which is great because then she definitely disarms you when she can explode into a powerful character. And So what I'm hearing great. is that her acting and her presence is the opposite of the Phantom Menace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that slap right in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm a solid man. So, yes. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, Sean Pacino, you you have daughters of your own. How is it like being a bad guy to a nine-year-old? Um, or or you know, almost very- a bad guy. What was very interesting is uh, no, I think I think we can safely say I was a bad guy. Um, okay. You know, it was very interesting because uh, she's so close in age to my oldest daughter, Sophia. So, right. you know, obviously I, I'm not a stereotypical, uh, you know, method actor. I, I do take elements of method acting and incorporate it into uh, any of the characters that, uh, you know, I develop. But, um but I'm able to kind of come in and out of those characters. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say just at a snap of a finger. I need, I need a little bit of time in and out. But uh, I tried to really make sure that in between, you know, that uh, I could have fun with Cruz. You know what I mean? So it wasn't uh, just always being mean. And, and we did have a lot of fun. And she, she uh, kicked some butt. She got to do some, uh, some of her own little stunts in this, which was really, I think, very cool. I think she really enjoyed it, and uh, can't wait for audiences to get to see that. Awesome. 
So she has her own little action scenes in there. Oh, yeah. Huh. Hey, Cruz, how did you feel about doing action inside of a film? Action, that was that was really fun. I loved working with Sean and the stunts, and I felt good about it. It, it was really fun. It was a cool, fun, new experience for me. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I look at, at young actors like uh, Dakota Fanning and what have you. Uh, do you have any inspirations yourself as as young artist or maybe an older artist that inspires you to act? Somebody that you emulate or or, or look forward to seeing? Actually, um, Dakota Fanning. Does. I'm sorry. Dakota Fanning inspires me. Yes, she's a, she's an excellent actress. When, when you're when you're describing certain things about the film, it reminds me of Man on Fire. And uh, she was an, an amazing, amazing actress when she was your age. She was just amazing. I can't wait to see you in this film. What is your process what, before, you know, Time says action? What, what, what goes on through your mind to put you into the mode of acting or, or this character? I think about, like, how Haley's feelings would be and how she would like, react to what the situations are going on. Right. And then when you look at the script and you see how you're going to end up and you see how you're going to begin, how does that make you feel like when, you, when you're acting in the, in the film and you actually know how it's going to end? Is that, that, does that influence the way you act at the beginning of the film? I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, what I was saying is that, it, you know, if you read the entire script, it means you know the entire story. So if you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're acting in a part, you know the entire story, does that make you change the way you're going to act? Or do you just act? Um, I think some of it, like, changes a little, the way I act a little bit and right. makes me have different emotions in the script. Right. That's awesome. That's great. We're going we're gonna to bring on another guest. You guys, you guys are fantastic. We're going to bring on Dylan Lawrence here. Dylan's going to join us right now. Dylan, how are you doing? Everybody give me a clap before we hear you go. Awesome. Hey, Steve. I'm doing well. Thank you. Dylan Lawrence has been waiting there for 30 minutes. How are you doing, Dylan? I'm doing awesome. I've been enjoying hearing everybody talk about the project. Awesome. You play Aaron in the film, Dylan. Uh, how is it like playing Aaron in the film? And, and what part do you play? I mean, specifically, are you the good guy, bad guy? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, my character goes through a lot of emotional um, issues and stressors. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to say. What I love about this film is a lot of the characters are, are good, moral people, but put them in apocalyptic setting with all these crazy things happening and it really tests their themselves and what they would do in that situation. So I think the character, especially because he's a lot older than I am, he has, <laughs> excuse me, a husband, a child. And so for me only being 22 to think about that and to put myself in that more of a mature level, it definitely was, was a challenge um, to do. So, 
Yes, <laughs> that's funny. So, so you came. So you basically are, you know, single and and don't really have this this contrast in your life. And you go on to a film and you have a wife and a child. And, and is that what you're saying to me? Yeah, yeah. So me being only 22 years old, single, uh, having artist, and then to, to get cast in this film where I'm playing someone who's much older than I am, who's done all these adult things that I haven't even begun to experience or imagine for myself. It was really a good push for me, this role, um, to kind of adapt to those situations. And then emotionally, too, this set was very, very emotional, a lot of crying, a lot of intensity to go to set every day and be in this 12-hour environment of, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, what's, what's going to happen? It's very hard when you leave set because you trick your mind into reacting a certain way. Um, so it's a very challenging, challenging role. Right. Now, when when Taimane, uh, 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 go ahead, Sean. Uh, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure. Um, uh, yeah, he had a he had a uh, husband in this role. His character had a husband, not a not a wife. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, Continue. nice. Well, that that's a good clear up right there. <laughs> you can, you, of course, you can. Of course, you can still have children. Uh, you know. Uh, so so how, so you went you went from being single to being in the film so and then in, in this film so so you play a gay character in this film that's very that's very interesting so I, I actually have not seen that in a lot of zombie films I'll be honest it, because they usually don't do the interplay between characters so what was it like Dylan what was it like working with uh, with Cruz with working with a child was this your first time working with a young person yes or actually no I mean I've worked with a couple twelve year olds but going down down the ladder um she's definitely the youngest actress i've ever worked with and it it was a lot of fun you know sometimes i would forget that i needed to filter my mouth and not say certain yes. things um, yes yeah sorry she uh, laughed and confirmed it huh? <laughs> yeah i think i think we i think we all had that trouble <laughs> yeah it, it's tough you know especially you know when you don't have kids in your life on a regular basis and then to have that thrown in there for that you can't be a potty mouth um I don't right. have that excuse, and I still ran into that excuse. <laughs> yeah. no, you, ha- you have children. You have zero excuses. Oh, man, go ahead, it, Dylan. It, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I have a five-year-old brother, um, so I have kids. I love talking to Cruz. I love hanging out with her, and um, there were a lot of scenes that we had together um, and certain things we were doing. You know, I'd be like, are you okay? Did, did I hurt you? Are you fine? You know, because my character becomes in certain instances, so I always wanted to make sure that I didn't overdo it in the scene or traumatize her or make her hate me in real life. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. watching a young talent, you know, watching her in action, Real. thinking, like, why am I not that good when I was little? You know, why can't I <laughs> be like that? Like, what does it, – it's just – it was awesome. That's awesome. And in Cruise – how did you how did you feel about acting with these actors who are obviously a little bit older than you? Uh, did you take anything personally? Was it was it easy to uh, push people away as far as the difference between acting and being a real person, or or was it difficult? To Cruz, did, Cruz, this is for you. Cruz, did you do you ever get upset when when people were acting towards you, or did you always understand, or did you always kind of get in your head that this is just acting, 
It's not bothering me. It's no issue at all. Or did it bother you sometimes when people treated you a certain way while acting? It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all. I just tried to feel feel that emotion that how they were what they how they would act to me. I would have to react back, and how and I think about how I should react back. That's good. Okay, so we're going to stay right there. So. So you try to act the way that you think the actor should act. So obviously you're going to bring up true emotions of how you feel about that person acting towards you. When you're done with that scene, how do you pull yourself down from feeling that way? Or how do you pull yourself away from feeling the way you just felt by acting? Emotion, like after after that um, scene, that emotion just naturally goes away. I don't feel it anymore. Wow. You are a healthy young girl. That probably would have freaked me out for like two hours probably at your age. I'd be like, oh, my God, he hates my guts. But that's awesome that you can separate the two. That's, that's pretty sweet. So, so you're obviously going to be Angelina Jolie when you grow up. So you, you have the yeah. attitude that's necessary for, for acting. Tell me, what, what, is your, what is your favorite adult actress, and who, who, do, you, who do you want to be like? Or, or or do you think that way? Um, I don't know. I I really like to go to Fanny. Still, she really yes. inspires me, and I and the cast inspires me a lot too. And I really want to be like them when I grow up. That's awesome. Tymaine, Tymaine, when you were when you were hiring all of your all of your actors for this film, were you considering the future with, with these guys? Because I know when Joss Whedon brings a collaborative group together, he tries to bring a cohesive group together for even feature projects. He tries to find a team. Is that something that you do yourself, or, or do you mostly look for something that's just for the project in front of your face? Now, usually I try to bring um, a, I have to bring a team. I actually try to see if you can work with people again and again and again because as you work with them over a period of time, you start learning their nuances, they learn your nuances, and it becomes a better cohesive team where you have to say something at one point in time, time to somebody, but now you can give them like a glance and they know exactly what you're thinking. And to some degree, in a lot of cases, even by the end of our project here, I can almost just say half a sentence, and they they caught it right on, and they just like you know know exactly what I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to go with it, and they're like, okay, we got you, and it's it's well, I'm ready, and I like that. Um, so I always think of a team when I think of it. Like even on future projects right now, I think, oh, who can I bring on from when the people break to the next project? So uh, what part will fit them? Now, obviously. When you try to break it on, you got to make sure the part actually fits the person because you don't want to do the service to the actor. But I do definitely want to consider each and every person on future projects because that's what it's all about. It's about building a relationship. That's what movies are about. It's about building a relationship and seeing how a relationship turns, and you want to build that relationship behind the scenes as much as in front of the camera. Right. Right. Sean, Sean, when you looked at the script, what drew you to the script of When the Fever Breaks? There, you, you must, you've got to read 20 scripts a week. What is, it, what is it about this film that was so special that drew you towards it? 
Um, again, like I said, I think just the 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 journey of of becoming a, a quote unquote zombie was something that I have never seen explored in this kind of depth. It's like the movie itself, the two hours or whatever it is that the movie's going to be, the hour and a half that the movie's going to be, is if the movie's not quite you know one to one as far as uh, uh, timelines, you know, we, we, we do cover a little bit more time in the movie, but not much. So the movie itself is almost, you know, like watching the show 24 or whatever. It's almost like a live uh, transformation of seeing what somebody goes through becoming, you know, our version of a, or, or the Fever Breaks version of a zombie. So uh, that in and of itself, I, I can't recall ever seeing a movie that does it like that or even reading a story that does it that way. So I was just fascinated seeing the process of, of that unfold in, real, in almost real time. Right. Uh, time in, I hope a- I'm not Aaron. giving away stuff. No, no, you don't. You're saying it right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, d- D- Dylan, uh, Dylan, I wanted to ask you, you know, the same, the same question, of course, but, uh, you know, looking, looking at your IMDb, looking at your, looking at your resume, you've got a lot of projects going on here from Grimm to, you know, Stalwalt to Lady 38 to The Box to Mock Trials to When, when the Fever Breaks. You've got all these projects on, on the way and have been done, The Farewell Wake. Uh, what was it about this project that got you off your couch and moving well, there's always this joke that uh, horror film actors don't actually have to act because when they're written, it's not about the characters. They're not three-dimensional. They're just hawk girls running around in bikinis getting killed. Um, and although we have very right. sexy women on set, it, that's not what this is about. It was, it's a character-driven horror film, which is something I love. Horror is my favorite genre. And as an actor, I love to really delve into these complex characters and for me, the script kind of offered the best of both worlds. I got to do a genre I love, but I also got to push myself as an actor and do these very uncomfortable, being pretty vulnerable in a lot of scenes, and that was something that, that drew me in. I got to actually work. This project kicked my butt to the extreme, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and that was something that instantly right away I knew. For me, I wanted to push myself to see if I could do it. Right. If I may add on as well a little bit, um, I think the other thing, too, is, for me, uh, it's basically about nothing scary, nothing really, you just go for the scare alone. It scares, but it doesn't resonate well. To me, it always resonates better when your characters are more three-dimensional, when you actually have a real care about the characters. And even the ones that are quote-unquote quote unquote, villains, um, the best thing about it is not exactly just dealing with you go, my goodness, I would never do that. There are something that you yourself may find yourself going in that situation. I might have been that person. And it's that, res- it's that realization of it plus the horror of it that makes it really resonate, I think, more about it. It's like, okay, three-dimensional characters I really care about and they're doing and horrible things are happening to them. This is a horrible situation. I'm really scared for them. hope they get out okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, Dylan, you and you and Sean both came from the stage, so you both did uh, you both did stage acting. Uh, what what propelled you to working more towards Hollywood, or is that more of a common transition these days? Uh 
No, I mean, for me, I grew up in Alaska um, in a little town called Kenai, and for me, theater was all I had. Um, and although I, I do love it, it's just it doesn't even compare to the art form of film. I mean, for a stage, you have to be extra loud. You have to be over the top. You have to let the audience be able to see your expressions because there's not a, a camera right in front of your face. And I, I hated that because it always felt so fake. You know, if I, I cry or get upset, I'm more quiet. But on stage, you can't do that. And so for me, finally getting at an age where I could move by myself, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to go into that, that media of film, which I love. Um, and so now I, I won't even audition for stage. Um, I've got a taste of, of film, and that's, that's the art form that I love. Um, so it was, for me, it was a transition I knew I always wanted to do, but growing up in a town where that wasn't an option, it kind of prevented me until, until the age where I was officially an adult and could be on my own. Really? So there was some pushback from you going into the acting field? Yeah. Um, I mean, I did, I did do acting in Oregon for five years. I've actually only lived in L.A. for a little over eight months now. Um, so I did move, move with my dad in Oregon and did acting scene there, but it's, it's nothing compared to Hollywood. I mean, this is the land of dreams. This is where all the big opportunities happen. So it's been a long time coming. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Cruz? Uh, how do you feel? I mean, did you did you always want to be an actress? Did did you do you want to be in plays? Do you want to be in movies? What, what, what did you want to do? When I at first I I wanted to be a golfer. My dad inspi- my dad really inspired me to be a golfer. Then I, when I got in, I've done lots of plays at my school, at the drama program, and. Now I I really want to do acting and and I still love golf and all the other um and all the other things I do and but acting I really love. That's awesome. I actually should have asked you that a long time ago. So so your your father got you involved in in golfing and uh, you were going towards the professional golfing realm and then and then you went into acting. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, for well, I wanted to be a singer and then a golfer and then a writer and now an actor. <laughs> you know, you can be all things by being an actor. You can do all of those things. Just look at Bill Murray. Bill, uh, Bill Murray does the—he's on the golf course and he writes, and then he's famous and he's got all these things going for him. So you went—you went from the golfing dream to the acting dream. Uh, yeah. From acting from this point on, what, what, do you, what do you see happening for you? What do you, what do you want to happen for your future? Um, do you want I an Academy know. Award? Do you, do you want an Emmy? Do you want a Tony? Do you, do you want to see plays? Do you want to do more movies and see what comes up? What, what, do, you, what do you want? I want to do more. I want to do more plays and more movies, and I want an Emmy Award. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll probably get what we call an EGOT, an Emmy, a Tony, and an Oscar. So we'll look forward to seeing uh, Cruz Malga in her future. Uh, so, 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 Taimane, the, the attitude of, of – of so right now, what I'm looking at right now is a cast of just so many different characters, so different ages, different worlds, different realms. How is that like working with a cast of such differentials? 
I mean, for me, it was um, very normal because I'm usually surrounded by people generally of different age roles, and I'm not saying in Brooklyn, but even as, you know, as a family person, I, I have a big family of all types, so it, it, was, it felt very natural. The biggest thing to me, first and foremost, is when you do any work environment is to make it feel like a family oriented environment because you guys we guys gonna be very close to each other, we guys gonna be around each other a lot, um, between rehearsals and and meetings and um and actually doing the whole production itself. So you wanna have a have a be like a, a very nice bond with each other where we feel comfortable saying stuff to each other, uh, feel comfortable giving advice to each other and you know, and that to me helped work very well amongst each other. So, it, it, so the, the age thing didn't really bother or hinder or at best it probably even enhanced performance because we all got different work paths of life that we were able to contribute to both the set, the movie, and our characters. So um, right. it, it, worked, it worked very well as far as I'm concerned, and I had a great time being around such a diverse environment of many people giving many different contributions. That's that's great. Sean, the same question for you. When working on this film, you must have obviously seen that that the group was uh, diverse. How did you you feel about that when you saw that? Did you you feel like interacting with with the group more as a director than an actor? That's that's my second question there. You mean like on future projects? No, you know... It's kind of hard to switch that hat, you know, when you're working with these people, and then you, you're seeing um, Taimane working his butt off, going from left to right. And do you find yourself looking at the actors or doing something that might uh, help them out as a director? Um, again, or do, yeah, you just, was, or do you stay in, or do you stay in the acting field and just stay there? I think it's hard for me not to ever go into the director mode. I just, you know, that's what I grew up watching and doing with my father being a uh, director himself, uh, again, on the stage, but just kind of growing up there, I think my brain has just been programmed that way from the get-go. So uh, I I may have offered a a few tips here and there coming from a director's perspective. Um, Right. You know, I'm not going to claim they were uh, good tips. I I don't know. (laughs) Yes, I do (laughs) think I I offer – I do offer that stuff – you know, from time to time when I, when I see something like, hey, you know what, you might want to open up the camera. I think I said that a couple of times. Like, you just rotate this way, uh, you know, so the camera will hit you better. And that's all, I think that's directing and, and my editing background kind of jumping out right. here and there. Right. right. And if I may also add, yeah, Sean offered uh, some great insights during this project as well with some, um, you know, some of his directing tips to help us just go, wait a minute, we see this, how about we, how about we see this? I see where you're going. If we try it this way, does it play out even better? And I was like, yeah, that's, sometimes that stuff worked. And, you know, when we did it, it was good. We continue on and move forward. And there was time, you know, like, like every time we all tossed 100 ideas, and there was always one idea was like, ah, that one won't work because we have to do this later on. He goes, okay, right, because if we do this later on, we have to hold off on doing this type of pen or this type of action. But there were times we conversed a lot just to make sure that, we stay cohesive, and for both the uh, directing and the editing and the whole process, because which was a benefit of having uh, definitely a benefit of having Sean on set, because he was 
he was not only just our actor. He was also our stunt coordinator. He was also our right. editor. You know, and he also, as you said, he has directing experience as well. So there were certain things he can help enhance on the project, which worked very well. Um, and it was very welcome to have those many different hats to come on, which is why he got joked around of, Editor Sean, can you come over here? We need to, we need right. to have an editing question. Are we, are we crossing the line right. here? You know, <laughs> if we do this, what can we do not cross that line? <laughs> and it was, it was great having that benefit. Because most of the time you don't get that. Most of the time you, you know, everybody's on their separate realm and they can't cross. And so you do your directing thing and you give it to your editor and the editor looks at you later on and be like, what the hey, where you think we did this? We got to reshoot. And as you know, you find yourself reshooting something because of a editing transition. Whereas this time, because Sean was there, we, he can go, oh, this won't cut well, and we can kill that part right now and not even shoot that and shoot this instead. So that was definitely a benefit and a help. Cruz, uh, Cruz when, you're, when you're doing the film and, and you saw other people talking to, to Tymaine about the film or what have you, did you feel like you had a voice to express your opinion as well, or did you feel comfortable with the script and the way things were directed? I felt comfortable with the script. Um, I uh, I had one suggestion in mind, for, but then I totally forgot about it. But it worked out really well after that. That's awesome, D- Dylan. The same same question for you. How did you feel as a writer, producer, director, and all that? How did you feel about some of your input? Did you feel like it was necessary, or did you feel like a lot of times it was better just to act? What was your, what was your process for that? Um, unless I really felt it was going to hinder anything, I kind of just you know let everybody do their own things. Everybody has the experience, has the, the talent to do it right. Into an acting thing where I felt it was going to you know, affect all of our performances, I would definitely say something. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I put my faith in Ty, I put my faith in John, I put my faith in everybody and just, you know, do do what I'm told. Um, <laughs> so I, I definitely, I felt like I could be open about everything if I wanted to be, but I kind of just let everybody do their jobs and focused on why I was there. And that was to act and to portray this character honestly and truly to myself. That's awesome. I mean, this show is going by so fast. We got the we got the the second half of the cast coming on on right now. Let's get straight to the details right now of how we can find you, uh, Dylan Lawrence. Please give us your plugs. How, how can we find you if we look you up? I know through Facebook we can find uh, Dylan Lawrence easily. IMDb. What else? What else do you have for us to search for you? Yeah, guys, just type in Dylan Wayne Lawrence. That's the name I go to. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find my fan page on Facebook. Um, IMDb is always the best place to go, and even my website, which is DylanWayneLawrence.com. That's great. And what, what, what can we look forward to in the future from you? Um, I'm actually working on a couple of scripts right now, co-writing with a couple um, writers slash producers. So hopefully I'll be getting some bigger writing credits coming out within the next next year. Oh, fantastic. So you're going down the writing route right now. That's that's the thing drawing you. Yes, it has the opportunity to get some writing credits and also act in the films. So Awesome. Uh, well, that's 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 Quentin Tarantino territory. Or Chris <laughs> Nolan or JJ or any of those guys. I just love those guys so much. But Dylan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Every, everybody 
Please go find Dylan Lawrence. Great personality. Great guy. Thank you very much for joining us this weekend. And have yourself a great Labor Day weekend, Dylan. Thank you. You too. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, Sean Pacino, I know you have a long weekend ahead of you. How can we find you, Sean? I, 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 know, I know we can find you through Facebook, uh, the great Sean Piccinino. He also has a fan page on there, Sean Piccinino fan page, as well as his regular site, the IMDb, Sean Piccinino, IMDb. Sean, what are the other ways we can find you? We can find you through Truly Indie Studios as well. Um, uh, yeah, we you, also can yeah, find you can find yeah, I was, yeah, was trulyindiestudios.com, yeah, truly, truly and uh, indie is I-N-D-I-E. You can also look me up on seanpiccinino.com, um, and the uh, last name is P-I-C-C-I-N-I-N-O, and uh, yeah, I, find me on Twitter, Instagram, all of those fun places. That's awesome. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let go of the great Sean Pacino. He's got a he's got an excellent weekend ahead of him, and and we're we're very grateful he was able to join us today. Thank you very much, Sean. Have yourself a great weekend. Have yourself a great Labor Day, and thank you for being on when the fever breaks. Yes, absolutely. Love you guys. Talk soon. All right. Bye. All right, sir. Have a great one. All right, Cruz. Cruz, this is this is your moment here. We're gonna we're gonna keep on time main for the for the for the remaining of the hour here, but Cruz. Chris, how can we find you? We can obviously find you through IMDb. Uh, Malga is spelled M-A-U-G-A. Cruz, K-R-U-I-Z. There's no E at the end of that one. How, how can we find you? Do you have an IMDb uh, fan page? Do you? Um, I didn't know, but my mom just told me right now. Um, at Cruz.me. What was that again? I'm sorry, say that again. It was at cruise.me. Oh, cruise.me. Fantastic. And then we can see you uh, in When the Fever Breaks. And then what else can we see you at? What are you working on now, Cruise? I'm sorry, what did you say? Working on this? Are you working on anything after this film? Um, do you have anything locked in right now? Nope, not right now. Right now, this this film, you have two two more days or one more day of shooting, and then we'll see what happens next. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to seeing whatever you're involved in in the future, Cruz. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to say before before we uh, before we end your interview? Um. Well, I loved working with the cast and crew, and having me on this on this radio talk show, and the casting crew, they're like family. And this movie, this film is really fun. Oh, that's fantastic. I've seen a couple of the dailies, and I, I really love seeing you act. I think you have a very, very promising future. We all look forward to seeing you as a huge star when, when you're just a little bit older. But uh, we all know that, that the great Cruz Malga is going to be a huge star. Thank you, Cruz, for joining us this weekend. And I hope you had a good Thank interview. You. I know this is your first interview. Um, have yourself a great weekend. Have yourself a great Labor Day. And I think you did an awesome job. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Cruz. Have yourself a great weekend. Thank you very much for being on the radio. Mom. All right, Tymaine. We're going to take a, a, a small break. Audience, we're going to take a small little break, and then we're going to bring on the rest of the crew from... Uh, uh, from when the uh, when the fever breaks, let's take a short little break. Ooh. If you don't like reggae, 
you're in bad luck. Here we go. I time in. Time in. Hello, who is this? I just realized I was broadcasting that whole thing. That was fantastic. I love live radio. I've always wanted to do radio since I was a little boy. This is just a little little piece of me here. I've wanted to do live radio since I was a little kid. And it's fun. I gotta tell you, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's interesting. Somebody asked me recently, what, what radio station are you on? Or what frequency are you, are you on? And that's very interesting. That's kind of like asking, what TV show are you on? Because you're taking into consideration that TV doesn't exist anymore. You have Netflix, you have an iPad, you have a computer, you have other things. You don't, you don't really need a TV to watch TV anymore. So technically, you can call this blog talk radio or talk radio or talkie radio. You can call it whatever you want. But essentially, it is a talk show. And in the old days, if they had this option, they would have chose this option because you can cuss. You can use... Um, unfiltered music that's like Rihanna and you, you don't have to ask for permission because so far they haven't gone over anybody or gone after anybody for doing these things. So it's amazing. It's a fantastic project. So I suggest to, to anybody who's interested in radio to get involved in Blog Talk Radio. I, I enjoy myself and I hope you will too. All right. I hope, I hope you like reggae. Some people tell me they don't like reggae, but uh, kind of like the Beatles. You don't like reggae. Mm, I don't know what to tell you. All right, let's take a short little break and bring on the rest of the cast.
I love live radio. All right. So let's bring back Taimane. Taimane, thank you very much for joining us for the complete two hours of the show. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, no it. problem. Definitely. Oh, look. Oh, the time for you again. So, so we have, a, we have a, another... We have another guest right now. Violet Smith is going to join us. The, the great Violet Smith. Uh, let's uh, let's give ourselves a little bit of a of a clap here and bring her on here. <laughs> Violet, Violet, Violet. How are you doing, Violet? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing very good, thank you. So, Violet Smith, you've got a you've got a very nice filmography. I'm going from from Ice Grill to Bike Cops Van Ice. You, you've been in a you've been in a couple things here. Uh, tell me, how was it like going into the, when when the fever breaks, going out there like Navish folk? Yeah, you know, it's a great film to be working on. Actually, I've really really enjoyed it. And while I might have you know some filmography on my IMDb, I'm actually really new to the acting world. I grew up in theater. Um, I always did theater and dance uh, as a youngster and then when it came time to choose between college and acting I chose college it seemed like the more practical route for me and uh, I sat in a cubicle for three years after that and at the end of the day I was pretty miserable so I uh, decided to get back into my passion which was acting and when this script came along I read the script and it was just an incredible script Tymeen and Lucy have done such an incredible job bringing these characters to life and I really connected with Claire. Um, so, and the cast and crew are incredible. It's been a really great experience. You know, one of the things I love about J.J. Abrams and Joss Whedon and a lot of these other great directors is, is their love for women. When you watch like Angel and Buffy and Dollhouse and you watch these other films, you can see their love females on the screen. Do yeah. you feel... Do you, do you like the same thing, and how do you feel you being represented as as a human and when, when the fuel breaks? You know, I, I agree, absolutely. The horror genre does love their female actors in, in the movies and in the TV shows. Um, I think Claire is a little bit different in that she's a very emotional person. When you see females in the horror genre, they're generally very strong females. And I think that was Genevieve's in this movie, Sky. She was the extremely strong female. And Claire, my character, was, she's probably the worst person you could possibly be with in the zombie apocalypse. She was scared of everything. <laughs> she's, she's very um, frightened and shy. And uh, but But she really was a, she had a lot of dimensions to her character. She was um she was really torn much of the movie and and I think that it was really fun to bring her to life. That's awesome. So so your your character is pretty much the uh the crazy lady from from the Stephen King films who are who everybody's <laughs> gonna rock by about an hour and fifteen minutes through the film. Am I hitting it close? Yeah, I guess you could kinda say that. <laughs> So, so when you look at this character, when you were writing the script, when you and your wife were writing the script, what, what, what uh-huh. were your influences, like a writer influences? There's, there's some things that must have popped in your brain as you're writing these characters. Well, what popped in your brain when you're writing her character? Oh, good question. I don't know if I have a good answer for that one. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was um, writing that script, when I was writing the script, 
I think the only thing I was thinking of um, of was that, which is so odd because it has definitely to do with the, the genre to some degree. I, I thought of two things. One, possibly a little bit of The Walking Dead and how you do the human element, but probably a little bit more of like how Battlestar Galactica also deals with the human element and the scare as well from that concept. And that combined with the um, whole experience of of what I was going through myself or my mom was going through um, as a as a having sickness and everything, it made me just feel like, okay, what are the causes that must happen? And then also, what are the horror tropes that must be followed for a good horror film to be successful? Uh, and what do I really want to concentrate on? Do I want to concentrate more on the scare, the gore, the characters, what are my focal points that I want to hit upon? And at the end of the day, I said, I want to hit on the characters a lot and keep the scare as well because if those two go hand in hand, it resonates more. If you have the, um, if you have a villain that's just a villain or person just a scaredy cat, then it doesn't resonate as well because you're like, well, I wouldn't have been scared in that situation. But if you put a situation where a person could be torn about something even with the and even with the fears and the natural stuff, then it's like, okay, I can possibly find myself in that situation where I'll be torn between uh one person or another who mean a lot to me and I must make a decision. That's a very right. heart wrenching, heart gunching moment and you have to really feel like, okay, Whatever way it can go, it's going to be horrible for this person. It's going to be something horrible is going to happen, and something scary might come out of it from the result of that. So right. that amps everything up to me, and I hope it does for the rest of the audience as well. I think it's going to be great. Violet, Violet you've been acting on the stage since you were four years old. So, so acting must come natural to you. Now, what, 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 what did you feel was the difference between acting on stage opposed to acting in front of a camera? I, I know you've done it lots before, but I, I would like to know your process of going from the stage to the moving picture where you have, I would say, a couple, a couple more um, breaks compared to being on stage. Yeah, absolutely. It's very different. I did start out on the stage, but it was never really, it never felt quite right to me. I loved acting but I didn't realize how much of a filmatic actor I was until very recently. Um, I, when I was in high school, I got into Black Box Theater, which kind of helped me transition, because I don't know if you're familiar with Black Box Theater, but it's a much smaller, more intimate venue. And so I kind of realized that the subtleties of acting are where... Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it you, was actually should... a really smooth... No, go ahead, please. When I got into film acting, it was a, a pretty easy, smooth transition for me because I feel like that's where I was always meant to be. It, 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 by the way, looking at some of your some of your past experiences, it doesn't look like you were necessarily going into the film industry, considering that you have a BA in communications and a minor in Italian. Uh, right. I myself am I'm Sicilian, so it's it, you know I don't you know most people will think like horseback riding, martial arts, singing, dancing. Okay. If they want to be you know <laughs> what I mean? if they want to be a stereotypical actress, but you took a different route. Um, why why is that? 
You know, I come from very humble roots, and, uh, you know, I grew up in a really small town, and my family didn't have much, so when it came decision time, as much as I loved acting, it just felt like a more practical route for me to take to get that college degree and create a career. I, I went to work in the Marcom department of a startup um, high-tech firm, and I worked there for three years, but at the end of the day, I just wasn't happy you know i needed to get back into the arts that's where my passion is oh you're one of them aren't you you're one of them you're one of those those people who start up a ceo 1.2 billion dollar company and say you know what i want to act i'm making a call who you are because that's what it seems like you know i was doing investment banking making 1.2 million dollars a week and i was thinking to myself you know what i want craft services (laughs) <laughs> yeah so that's, so, so that's amazing so you, have to do what makes you happy. So, you, so you went from university you know and, and you just committed to acting let me ask you a question does does that help you in, in confirming your acting career by covering your bases of other things oh absolutely it really really helps that i have that degree in marketing and i still have marketing clients while i'm trying to get enough acting jobs that I can support myself. For now, the marketing is what supports me. So it's really nice to have that base career while I'm pursuing my dreams of acting. That's awesome. What, what are you looking forward to next? Because, uh, you know, look, looking at your, your listening or what have you, you've got a lot of projects that are in post-production, some completed, not, yeah. not really out there yet. Uh, what, are, what, is, yes. what are the next projects you're looking for? And is there anything specific that you're looking for. I, I know a lot of people hate this, like, you know, as a woman. I, I, I get it. But yeah. as a woman, <laughs> you know, what parts are you looking forward to in the future? Because one, one argument right now is that in the Marvel Universe, people are starting to get a little frustrated because there's not enough female uh, gigantic characters. So so how do you, right. how do you feel about that? And, and, and does that play into what you want to see from your own future? Yeah, you know, I do have a lot of projects in post right now. I've been extremely busy. Uh, as far as my next projects, I'm about to start working on a General Motors ad campaign. And as far as film goes, I'm really looking for that next project. And you asked what sort of role am I looking for. I Claire was a very um, girl-next-door kind of character, which I gravitate toward, and I love playing that. So for my next role, I would love to play something a little bit more um, edgy, you know? Nice. So a little more at peace. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more with the dark side. Um, Claire was a very nice character, and she was so fun to play. Um, so I think I'd like to mix it up for my next role. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to hear your crazy character. Tymaine, how was, she, how was uh, now, now that she's on the phone and we can totally talk about her like, like as if she's not here, <laughs> how, how, do you, how did you feel about Violet as a character and as an actress? You obviously picked her for a reason. Um, I think she did a great job. I think she was awesome as a um, character act and, and uh, well, she, she did an excellent job playing the role clear as a character and as an actress. As an actress, she was excellent. She she was able to put all her emotions and get all into it. Like, like there were plenty of times where I kept forgetting her real name. I kept calling her Claire because she took control of that role. She became that person for that time being, even though 
um, Violet and Claire are two different people. <laughs> um, two very different people entirely. Uh, but when you say action, she was she became Claire and she did it very well and she's just awesome. And I would love to, you know, definitely work with her again and give her an edgier role and all that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Charmaine. I'd love to work with you again too. Hey. There you go. I just, I just, I just got you a new part. I can get the uh, thank you credit for the movie right there. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thank you. Well, now, now that we're in the giving mood, let's 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 bring on our next guest here, which would be Ryan Tusk. Ryan Tusk. Let me put on. Let me put on my radio voice. How are you doing, sir? Doing just fine. How are you doing today? Fantastic. So, so Ryan, you're you're part of uh, when the fever breaks. You obviously have a gigantic resume. Uh, what what drew you to this project? Well, I'll tell you what drew me to the project was uh, Chimane Clay. Um, he uh, approached me. I'd worked with him before a few years back, and so I was immediately interested just because it was another Chimane production. I love the guy. I think he's a great person, great director, and I'm coming to find out he's also a great writer. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> That's so you, you, you've done a lot of things yourself. You've done a lot of writing. You've done a lot of stunts. I mean, you you covered the entire gamut from editing to directing to producing. Uh, how was how it like working on this project with Taimane? Did you did you go in with an ease as an actor, as a relaxed actor, or did you go in with a certain um, understanding of how the project works? Um, well... I was excited to work on it initially, you know, when I read the script. But then when we started uh, doing rehearsals about a month or two beforehand, uh, I got even more excited, actually a, a lot more excited, because I realized that Taimane turned out that he uh, hired a bunch of great actors. And every single one of them during the rehearsals, I was like, dude, I've got to bring my A game to keep up with these guys, you know. And uh, in, right. the, in the days just just preceding the filming, I was thinking, you know what, this is going to be really cool. This is, you know, every, every one of them, I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, this guy's great. This lady's great. The cruise, the nine-year-old is great. I was telling her on set, I was like, man, I've I got to go to the cruise school of acting. And so I was kind of following her around, and I was like saying I should get a notepad and just take notes, you know, on set. I know. It's, it's frightening to see young people just, pull things out of their hat and be better than you in five minutes. I, as a teacher, I see it all the time, and it's, a, it's not discouraging, but it's hilarious. You yeah. look at yourself like, man, I should have started when I was three. Mm-hmm. So, so you originally, right, you, you originally moved to L.A. for music. Oh, you, is it a musical instrument that you play, or do you, do you play a varied uh, amount of musical instruments? Uh, yeah, actually, um I moved down to L.A. to pursue musicianship, uh, just to be a musician. Uh, I, I played in bands. I generally played guitar and sang vocals in bands. I also did drums in one project down here in L.A. And then I just kind of got dragged into a theater class at one point. And, you know, who knew it was this fun? Right. I'd known that. I started when I was nine instead of 30. <laughs> Did you feel like your, your your musical background helped out with your acting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
in one instance, the first play I did was a really uh, emotionally intensive play, and I had to really go to dark places, and I had to get really angry and really intimidating and really sad and things like that. And when we were doing the rehearsals, I just couldn't get there because I was a beginning actor. And then I realized that what motivates me and what inspires me is music. So I just started playing songs that brought me there. Like, if I needed to get really angry and intense, I would just, you know, play some System of a Down song or some metal songs in my head right before the scene or during the scene, and then, I, and then that brought me there. And also, right. um, I'll be honest with you, if you're not a very good singer, like myself, and you're forced to go sing opera in front of a, a, an audience just kind of by yourself in a, a language that you don't even know, like Italian, with a spotlight on you, it's going to give you steely nerves. So then when you end up having yeah. to go to or... It's not like a horror story. Yeah, you don't actually get too nervous once you've gone through that kind of gauntlet, you know? So, so Violet, Violet, you play Claire... And Ryan plays Dean. So, somebody's background uh, sound is, is, by the way, you sound like you're in Wind Tunnel, so it's one of you. But uh, Ryan, you play Dean, and Violet, you play Claire. Uh, Violet, what is, what's Claire's relationship with Dean? Well, Dean plays uh, Genevieve's boyfriend, um, and I play well, Sky. Um, Sky's boyfriend is who Dean plays, and, and I play Sky's best friend. Claire and Sky kind of grew up together. So my relationship to Dean, I guess, would be uh, he's, he's my best friend's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and and is, is it one of your typical, the boyfriend of my best friend is a total jackass? Or is it, uh, no. is it the other way around? No, I think he's a pretty nice guy. He plays a really good character in the movie. Um, you really feel for him. I think everyone did an amazing job making their character real, even the villains in the movie, even the people that are trying to play the bad guys. You really kind of feel for them. They all do such a good job bringing their character to life and, and um, showing us what that person has to offer. Well, that's what's great about zombie films and films about apocalyptic times is, is usually people turn against each other before anything else kills you. Uh, right. Ryan, uh, right. Ryan, playing Dean... And and uh, dealing with Claire, and, and I understand that Claire is really the kind of like the unhinged character towards the end or towards <laughs> the middle of the end. So, how, how, did, how does how does Dean take care of the unhinged character, or does he deal with the unhinged character? You know, you I are a striking. Feel like when, I, when I look at the pictures, when I look at the film, when I look at the dailies, you, you're a striking character in the film. You have a striking look. You have a striking presence. So. What what is your juxtaposed position to her to her uh, Claire? Um, you know, honestly, I try. I think I'm kind of the quiet in the storm. I'm the guy that you know, like he was a, a high school quarterback, so he's kind of the guy that wants to rally the troops and be the good guy and kind of get everybody to be on the same page and work together. And you know, he's almost like an idealist. Oh, so you're going to you know, die. In it. Yeah, oh. and um, so you're dead. Well, no, no I, I don't die. No spoilers here. Oh, um, no, you spoiled it. Go ahead. No, no, I'm saying, uh, you know, he just always tries to get everybody together and work together as a right. team. So um, the way he interacts with, uh, with Claire is almost the same way he's treating everybody else. He's just trying to get on the same page with her um, 
Right. He kind of just tries to relate with her, but mostly I think her relationship uh, is going to be with, with Sean's character because they play a, a couple and with her best friend, who's Genevieve. So I think, I think we're, we kind of just interact peripherally in that regard. Right. Tamina, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying the, the script. I'm really enjoying the sound of the film. I mean, when you hear a zombie film, you're usually going for the, the numbers by rack. You, know? the, you have the bad guy, you have the good guy. You've got the person who's going to be bitten who everybody sympathizes for, and you've got the person who's bitten who nobody cares about. When you're writing the script, and when you finish the script, and when you put in the production, you've got all these actors, when you're shooting the film, did you feel like you got everything right? Or did you feel, like, what was the percentage of thought to paper, from paper to camera, from camera to actors? How accurate do you think your mind to the finished project product is? I would say for that, it's 120%. And the reason why I say it's more than 100 is because you have one idea when you have it on paper. And then when the actors that make it involved, they enhance it and make it more than what you thought it could possibly have been. And you go, oh, we could play like this, and this could happen. And so instead of it diminishing it, it's adding on to it. And by the time you get right. to the finished product, it was just like, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing what we have done. Because I thought the script itself was good because, give everybody know, I feel like I'm a horrible pitcher. <laughs> I, I'm very bad at pitching. And um, so when I pitch to people, people grab me and go, yeah, I'll read it, i read it, i read it. You know, and then they read it, and then they came back and back, oh, this is a good script. That's what I knew. I'm like, oh, my pitch is up, but the script is good. Got it. Perfect. Right. And then when I went to production, <laughs> then I went to production, it, was even, it came even better. And it was like, okay, we can add this here. We can make this work. We can add this on. And it kept up in the level. So by the time it was, everything was said and done, everything looked better than even the good script had started out being. So I think it went from nice. amazing to more amazing to spectacular. And we got a great product that I am very happy to promote, be around, and even pitch. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, you, you and uh, Taimane have the Star Trek background. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you know each other from before for the Star Trek background, or, or, did, or is it just fate? Uh, well, I worked with him on uh, Trek Wars. In fact, that was uh, kind of my first uh, acting gig back in the day, a few years back. And so that's where we met. Uh, I auditioned for him and a fellow by the name of Billy, and uh, that was down in Monrovia. So that's, I believe it was Monrovia. So that's where Monrovia. we first met. And uh, we worked really well together, really liked him. We had a ton of fun. I still look back at those days. Like I'm like an old man sitting on a rocking chair. Remember those days on Trek Wars where we were all eating and nobody knew who that final slice of pizza could go to? Ah, that was great. So I think, well, I, I I think see, that's where... I see, I see that you have uncredited parts in the Star Trek movie as well as Into Darkness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I've, so gotten, uh, I've had the good fortune of working on the last two Star Trek movies as a Starfleet officer, which is like a, a nerd in a candy factory, basically, and I loved it. Yeah. 
you know, a friend of mine worked in the film with I can't say his name, but a friend of mine worked in the film with you, and uh, he didn't want to tell me uh, the first film, Star Trek. Um, he was working with his director. Didn't want to tell me the mm-hmm. movie he was working on. Gave me two hints, and I said Star Trek. There's only there's only <laughs> a certain number of films that fit in a genre, and Star Trek yeah. is very special in in that realm where it. It fits a particular genre. Uh, some of my students ask me, what's the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars? And I said, Star Wars is like art, and Star Trek is like science or math. Yeah. So I, I like it that way. So, so coming from the Star Trek background and going from this sci-fi, you know, and really the, the tales can go all over the place. Going from Star Trek and going into this film here, what, what, was, what was the different third time, Ayn? How, how, how did you feel about coming from the, from the tech world and going into maybe the bio world? That me? <laughs> that's that's my that? question. Um, is that my question? Or is that Ryan? Uh, what I'm what I'm saying is that, is that that the project you're working on right now is biological. So the the mm-hmm. zombie film, or or it's godlike, whatever whatever really the script says, but the bi- it's really biology. Whereas Star Trek was more science. How, how did you feel about that breakup? Did, did you feel good about that breakup? Did you feel good about that progression as as a writer of writing sci-fi? Did you go into more? I would say mundane writing or more casual writing. What would you say? Uh, for me, I mean, for me, it was um, natural because it's all it's all science to me. It's a different degree of science, which science you wish to hit on, right. uh, which was tech right. and biological. So it's just like a different facet. It's like okay, I did a tech thing. I did it more satiric on Trek Wars. And I did it more relatable to those who were through the whole Trek universe and the Star Wars universe and, and like to see all that mixed in. And here I was a little bit more scientific in a sense of this is biological, this is not just us playing around, but this has got to be some real um, concept to it. So some research had to be involved of figuring out what type of um, viral am I trying to put forth because as with many zombie movies, they have it has ranged from not just the typical Night of the Living Dead anymore, but now you have to identify what type of zombie movies you have. Uh, are you having Walking Dead zombies? Are you having uh, World War Z type zombies? Are you having more right. like um, quarantine type zombies? So you really got to identify what type of zombie you have and make sure you understand the rules of your zombie world. And once you understand the rules of your zombie world, um, be able to tell a fitting story around that. So to me, it was fun because I love stress and scientific theory. And because I came from a Star Trek slash Star Wars background, the whole thing has always been on all those concepts. Science in general, sci-fi in general, has always been dealing with a moral quandary in a scientific way. And that we were able to play with in this feature right here and put it in a horror and give it a horror setting and give it a hard feature, but still is a moral quandary of what do you do if this happens? How do you react? And how do you react when you're not a, a sci-fi person, per se, or a scientist? You know, you're not Captain Kirk here. You're not um, you know, high-level scientist. You're the average-day average Joe who must deal with this type of scenario. And how do you react right. to that? I think, that's, to me, that was very much fun and very amazing, and, and I had a, like I said, I had a great cast who brought that amazing idea to life in a, in a great way, and I loved them all for uh, that. 
I, I love your I love your attitude, Tymaine. You know, I talk to directors all the time, and, and you know, sometimes they're passionate and fakely passionate, but you're obviously jazzed about your own project, which is which is superiorly awesome. Uh, Violet, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, what, what is coming next for you? What, what is what is next on the agenda for Violet? Well, coming up next for me, um, I'm really looking for that next big role in film. I don't have anything right now. I've been super busy, so I haven't really been auditioning much. But now that I have some time on my hands, I'll be auditioning more. Um, coming up next, I'm filming a General Motors ad campaign. And um, if anyone knows of any films that I should be on, let me know. I'm sure there's going to be more than enough people to, to knock down your door to get you as an actress. You're a fantastic <laughs> personality. You're a great person to talk to. And you're, and you're spot on. When I got you on the radio, you, were, you, you knew exactly what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. So I would say you're a constant professional. You're doing a great job. Violet Smith, I'm, I'm very uh, much looking forward to your, your future projects. Tell me, how can we find you? Uh, IMDb, Violet Smith. Uh, can we find you through yeah. Facebook? And how can we do that, too, as well? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on IMDb. It's imdb.me slash Violet Smith. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, My handle is Ms. Violet Smith on all of them. And uh, you can find me there. Awesome. Awesome. Violet, thank you very much for joining us on the show on this great Labor Day weekend. We hope you have a great weekend with your family and friends, and we look forward to seeing when the fever breaks with you in it. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show, Steve. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Violet. Have a great day. You too. Bye, Violet. All right. So, Ryan. Yes. Ryan, what, what can we find from you next? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you're, your IMDb is crazy. Your IMDb is just insane. I mean, I'm trying to click on things. It's just, you're just insane. A producer, editor, director, camera, electrical department, writer, stunts, casting department, makeup department, production Manager, miscellaneous crew, thanks. I mean, come on. Like, what do you mean to do? <laughs> conquer the world? What, what's next for Ryan Tuss? Are you, gonna, are you just going to blow up this earth, or, or are you going to contribute? What are you going to do? Well, I'm looking for more thanks credits, honestly. Um, I only have one or two of those, so I'm looking to beef up my thanks on my IMDb. Um, no, next for me, um, I'm working next week, well, let's see, two weeks from now on a movie called Space Command. That's going to be an acting gig. And I think, nice. you know, science fiction, of course, because that seems to be my niche. And plus, I love it. I'm a big nerd. But I think the key <laughs> to, to really getting involved in a lot of projects really is, you know, you network well. You, you know, treat people well. You, you kind of do the, I do the the Drew Carey method, which is just be everybody's best friend. Be the guy that people want to work with. And right. uh, the other thing you do is you just say yes. You know, do you want to, like the makeup department, I, don't, I honestly don't know anything about makeup at all. But when right. asked if I could be the continuity supervisor for makeup and effects in a science fiction movie, which has a lot of aliens and cuts and blood and effects and stuff, and they need, you know, continuity, you just say yes, you know, and then because how hard can that be? You just have to be organized and pay attention and work hard. So um, you know, Ryan, you're, yeah. Ryan, you're touching base on something that I talk about all the time, which is, you know, when we're young, we have that attitude of I'm not going to kiss anybody's ass to get where I need to be, and we usually have that attitude in the Hollywood or, or in the media industry. We have that attitude when we're like 16 something. Like, I'm not going to kiss anybody's ass to get what I want. 
But I, I found the older I got, especially look, working in locations and writing and what have you, is that you're not kissing anybody's ass. You're just being nice. And the nicer mm-hmm. you are, the more people like you. And the more people like you, the more they'll hire you. And the more they'll hire you, the more jobs you'll get and the more famous you'll become. Is that truth to you or is that partial? No, I think that's spot on. And I do think a lot of it has to do with age and experience. Is that uh, really, and, and you'll, you'll also find, coincidentally or not, that the nicer you are, all of a sudden you start meeting more nice people. You know, who knew, right? If you know, if you walk around, if you walk around life being a jerk to everybody, you start thinking, man, everybody here is a jerk, and they're all so grumpy. But if you if you go around and you're being everybody's friend, you're treating them well, you're treating them how you want to be treated, and not taking it personally if you don't get treated as well as you'd like, then the next right. thing you know, everybody's nice to you. And, and now I'm finding the opposite is true than what I expected. Is that L.A. is full of nice people and full of friendly people and full of good people and full of, you know, non-superficiality. And initially people think that that's, you go to L.A. and you're meeting all fake people and, you, you know, nobody becomes a good friend. But I'm finding the opposite is true now. Right. You know, R- Ryan, I hate to get off, well, I don't hate to get off topic because I love it, actually. <laughs> but, but Ryan, has anybody ever told you that, you that you're a splitting image of Superman? Uh, no, but uh, I, I have been Winona Ryder's butt double, so that's something that, uh, <laughs> no, not really. But, yeah, I've, I've heard the Superman thing Oh, my God, that, that, made my, that made my heart skip a couple beats right there. So. <sighs> no, I've, I've, been, I've been told the Superman thing a couple times, so, I mean, I, I do go Good. to the gym as often as I can, but I'm still never going to be as... As buff as you, well, you can play. You can play. You can play Superman, Batman, quite easy. And, and I'll be honest, that's that's not a very common thing for people to say because those those are pretty high tech characters. But uh, mm. yeah, your, your look is your look is perfect for those characters, uh, Ryan. And I would love to play a superhero. Um, we want you to next... play a superhero. If you, let's, let's stop before we go to that part. Uh, now that we're there, if you can play a superhero, who would you play? You know, that is a glorious question, and give me a few seconds to think about it. Um, I'll give you a second. You know what? I, I, would, I would definitely like to be uh, an unknown superhero, like one that hasn't been created yet, honestly. Um, I don't want to yeah. be, you know, Superman or Aquaman or Wolverine because I don't feel like, like that's really me. I don't, I don't, I've never fully identified with any of those current superheroes. Plus, I think it would just be way more fun to create your own superhero and be, you know, arrogant French guy or whatever like that. I think <laughs> so you want something more like a chronicle where it's, it's superheroes, but it's not necessarily inside of a comic book or, or has a lore. Yeah, or maybe just if Marvel creates a, a new superhero group, you know, one of them happens to be good for me. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right that that's, I would love to play a superhero, and that's definitely a genre I have not dipped my toes in yet, but I would love to. Well, I would like to encourage Marvel to make a character for Ryan Husk called the Hunky Husk. I think it will work well, really now, well in the Marvel Universe. Well, I was thinking more of the Incredible Husk. But... I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, the, uh, that's how about the nickname the Incredible I Hunky I Husk. You know, I'd be I H H. Are you being okay with that? Incredible hunky husk? Well, I, I think I'd be okay with it, yeah. <laughs> so 
So, so what's the, what are the next projects for, for Ryan Hunt? Well, what can we look forward to? Well, um, more immediately, I would say, I mean, obviously when the fever breaks is the most recent one we just basically completed. I'm also working on a uh, science fiction movie called uh, Space Command by Mark and Elaine Zickfree, who are pretty well-known people, and they, they do a lot of great work. And I'm also doing a few other science fiction things, like uh, I just finished associate producing a movie called Prelude to Axanar, which has a lot of Battlestar Galactica actors in it and uh, Star Trek actors, and we're also going to be working on the, the sequel wow. to that, which will be a big movie called Star Trek Axanar. That's in the works. We just raised $630,000 on Kickstarter. And you have a couple of BSG actors in that? Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, Michael Hogan, who played Colonel Ty. We have mm-hmm. Kate Vernon, who on played... That? You have Colonel Ty with you? Yeah, God bless him. Isn't he awesome? Yeah, we've got him. That is awesome. Yeah, and we've got the lady who played his wife, uh, Kate Vernon, who played Alan Ty, and we have okay. the... Uh, I love Kate Byrne. We've, we've got the astounding Richard Hatch, who is a wonderful man. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty that exciting. Is, that's we may that, we may add one or two more. Cast. Yeah, we've you know got he did, you know he did actors as well. Really? You know he did the yeah. he, he did um, um he did the voice in Skyrim. I don't know if you know that, but uh, no, yeah, I those didn't actors know that, are. Right? Sub- yeah. Which voice he did in Skyrim? Those actors. Which voice did he do in Skyrim? He played one of the characters that went up to the gray, the Greybeards. Uh, you recognize? Ah, okay. I mean, his voice is is. I mean, he was in an episode of of Smallville as well. I mean, you you cannot miss his voice. Um, <laughs> those are excellent, excellent actors. That, in, I mean, I watch. <clears throat> excuse me, I watch Battlestar Galactica at least all the way through about five times a year. I I, I am wow. obsessed with that show. And the, yeah, Colonel Ty is is, is a brilliant um, character and as an actor and, and as as his wife, who's also playing in the, in the movie with you, she's an excellent actress. Cause I don't know if you saw that episode of B- Battlestar Galactica when she found out that the final five. Her acting for that for that episode was so superb, was so oh, yeah. spot yeah. on. Yeah, the fact that she didn't win an Emmy was was boggling to me because you know she played a nitwit for for a couple of seasons. She played a, a philanderer, mm-hmm. an abuser, and then she finds her, herself to be the final five, and she. Yeah, the way she comes to the evolutionary process—that that's who she is—it's incredible. I, I, I haven't mm-hmm. been acting like that so well done since um, a P.T. Anderson film. I'll be honest, since maybe uh, the Master. So that's awesome. So you know, so that's, that's good. I was just gonna say it's interesting you bring up the acting with Battlestar because I honestly had only I only watched Battlestar Galactica for the first time last summer. I just all of my nerdy friends who love Star Trek and stuff like I do, they kept saying, Oh, Battlestar Galactica is great, you should see it, you should see it. So, and I don't really watch T V, so I finally gave yeah. in and watched it. And the first thing that hit me was, Oh my god, just watching this is making me a better actor. Like, the, like right. I immediately that's the first thing that popped in my head was wow, the acting is so freaking great. And it's so hard, I see in the science fiction genre, it's so hard for, it seems like, writers to write a good, solid female character. A lot of times they're either submissive or they're a jerk. You know what I mean? Like the the female character, it's hard for them to give give depth. And Battlestar is chock full of good characters with good depth and good acting, you know. And, And so I really, really enjoyed the, the acting aspect of, of it. So I'm glad you brought 
that up. Yeah, it, it's it's really hard to push out the inner nerd of me on a radio show. But, uh, that, <laughs> then don't, that don't out push the inner it out. Nerd, it, that pushed out pretty fast, I'll tell you, because I, I, am, I am a huge, huge fan of that show. And the acting, I'd say it's one of the top 25 best shows ever created. Uh, top, yeah. top five would be like I Love Lucy to, you know, uh, uh, Three's Company. So that, that's, mm-hmm. those are the next projects you're working on. How, how can we get in touch with you? Well, uh, we want to get in touch with the great Ryan. Go ahead. Speaking of Three's Company, that was my favorite show as a kid, too. I wanted to be, I want to be Jack Tripper. So if there's, a, if there's ever a Three's Company Part 2, that would be the next thing to look for me, and I want to be Jack Tripper. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I, I, want, I want to walk in with my shirt. Uh, like loose, like with chains <laughs> coming down, and I want to interrupt like three people in a discussion. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah my friends tell show. me I'm like a mix between Jack Tripper and Larry Dallas. But anyway, uh, oh, really? find me. Yeah, you can just uh, you know find me on Facebook and Twitter as Ryan T Husk. Uh, my Twitter handle is Incredible underscore Husk, or you could just Google the Incredible Husk or Ryan T Husk and. All kinds of pictures of my smarmy face will show up or something. <laughs> I may well, laugh a little bit hard about that one. <laughs> we're running out of time super, super fast. We literally only have five minutes left. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for allowing us to geek out. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing your next projects as well as, uh, you know, when the fever breaks. My pleasure. I'd love to uh, speak with you again sometime. And a quick shout-out to Chris Polzinski, who is our uh, sound mixer on When the Fever Breaks. We had the most incredible crew, which I didn't really know that they were going to be so great until we actually started shooting. I knew that the acting was going to be great. But anyway, I just want to make sure that we touched upon that, that our, our crew is just outstanding. And Time Man can tell you a little bit more about that on the way out. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And you guys have a fantastic day. Thank you, Ryan. Have yourself a great weekend and great Labor Day. God bless. All right, Tymaine, this is the end of our show here. Let's give out some shout-outs to some of the crew that was on the film. Yeah. Who was your, uh, who was your uh, cinematographer? Who was your art? Who was your, who was your, uh, who, who's your staff? Definitely. Um, let's give a shout-out to my cinematographer, Tony R. Warren. He did a great job bringing uh, the pictures to life and everything with the lighting. Um, Tony Warren. Love Tony Warren. <laughs> <laughs> and also give a shout-out to our first AD, Shannon Martha. She did a great job helping running the set, making sure everything went smoothly and we keep our days. Uh, so give a shout-out to um, our uh, wardrobe person, Kristen Chandlin. She did a beautiful job. Also, we obviously can't have a hard one about our makeup person making, bringing all the horror to life. So Nick Ressinger did an excellent job with Hi. all the makeup effects, and even some of the props. Um, our set designer, uh, production designer, Claire White, fabulous. Made the place look beautiful, made the place look scary. That's cool. Nice. And we also have, um, we also have, and we also have a lot of people who also helped out on set. I also want to give a shout out to, uh, from Tosh Ann, Shauna, uh, Tyler, uh, Jason, I don't remember his name. Real fast, <laughs> and um, <laughs> don't, 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 don't forget and your Joel, wife. Don't, and oh, my wife's your wife automatic. There. My wife's automatic. Yes. She's definitely. No. 
How long, how long a, you been married? Wife, wife ain't automatic, man. <laughs> Wife's automatic. She's automatically in there because she's going to shoot my last. And the best person, she's at, you know, you got the Ann on your credits and you have all the Chris and special guests and all that other stuff. She's my Ann. She's the person who <laughs> she probably, helped me up every day. She's probably sitting next to you right now with a steak knife at your ribs. <laughs> yeah. No, no, she's in the other room, so she has she got more weapons than the steak knife. Forget me. <laughs> She's gonna have a room next to me. She can get organized and go at me. <laughs> but um, but yes, my wife definitely she helped me out on everything. Um, this production would not have happened without the support and the help of my wife, um, Lucy Clay, an awesome, uh, a beautiful woman, a spectacular partner, and every which way in the world, and my best friend. She did a great job helping us put this project to life. Um, and she did this, by the way, she did this while we are expecting. So, <laughs> so that's, that's oh, a phenomenal job on her part. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I mean, so, I mean, we're completely out of time, but it was, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for bringing it on yourself and bringing it on the cast and crew of, of When the Few Breaks. We look forward to seeing this film in the future. Uh, thank you very much for being on here. Uh, we'll put all the links on how to find uh, the great Tymaine Clay and his wife on IMDb as well as on Facebook. Uh, my friend, have yourself a great weekend. And have yourself a great Labor Day, and God bless. You too now. Enjoy. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, Tymaine. Okay, have a great day. All right, that was the cast of When the Fever Breaks. Gosh, what a great show. I could have gone on for another hour. Of course, I do love to talk. Thank you to Tamayan Clay for being part of the project today. Thank you to Dylan Lawrence. Thank you to Ryan T. Tusk. Excuse me, Husk. Thank you for everybody for when the few breaks. Ryan T. Husk. Sean Paul Piccinino. Ryan Bartley. Dylan Wayne Lawrence. Michael Lure. Violet Smith. Chadwick Armstrong. Lionel Medina, Cruz Malga, Genevieve Gearhart. Thank you very much for being part of today. Tymaine Clay, Lucy Clay. Lucy Clay, thank you for writing this movie. And uh, sorry you weren't on the show today. I wish we could have you on some other time. I'm very proud to be a producer of this movie. We didn't mention that during the uh, program, but it's not, it's not meant to. It shows about other people. God bless you all. Have yourself a great weekend, a great Labor Day, and I will see you all next time.